following is a production of Word Alive Creative Arts. Welcome to the podcast of Word Alive International Outreach in Oxford, Alabama, an apostolic center for transformation and freedom. We pray today that you will be blessed and strengthened by this powerful message. Amen. Welcome all online today and those that are here in our, uh, on campus today. We're in the midst of 40 days of radical praise, prayer, worship, returning to the Lord. This is known as days of teshuva, the Hebrew word is, days of returning. And so every year God comes to his people. This is thousands of years old. Every year, this time of year for 40 days, God says, come, blow the trumpet in Zion. Sound the alarm on my holy mountain. Awake my people to realize you're stepping into a new season. We're headed toward Rosh Hashanah, which is the head of the year, the Hebraic biblical calendar. Why is it important that God does this at the end and beginning of every year? Because God doesn't want us to take old stuff from last year into a new season. God doesn't want to take old hurts, old wounds, old disappointments. God said something like this, forgetting those things that are behind, I'm pressing toward things that are ahead. How many of you want to leave some things behind this old season and step into some new places, right? And so one of the ancient instruments of God is the shofar. And a lot of uh, Christians in the Western culture don't know about this instrument, but it's the ram's horn. And it's representative when God said, I'm not the God that has to be sacrificed to I am the God who will actually sacrifice for you. I am Jehovah Jireh, your provider. And so for 40 days, we blow these. I blow it outside my house every morning just about. If I don't catch it in the morning, I catch it in the afternoon. And these are the sound that's made for 40 days. If you could see in the spirit realm right now, there are literally millions of people on the earth making this same sound every day. What's happening? Heaven is being attracted. Hell is being frightened because God knows that things are about to shift and change as we move with God into a new season. So I don't know how many of you have one of these here today or not, but there you go. We'll just, if you don't have one of these, there's an app on your phone for free. You can just throw it on your phone and hold your phone up and let it rip. But we're going to just let the sound of the shofar, according to Psalm 89, 15, blessed are those who know this joyful sound, for they shall walk in the light of God's favor. So we're saying 40 days of the favor of God as we stepped into this season. So receive the sound of the shofar. Let's put up our giving declaration as part of our warfare. Let's say it on the count of three, one, two, three. We are giving out of love and thankfulness for all the Lord has done. By our giving, we have taken a step into an abundant place of his supply. Therefore, we declare and decree the promise of double portion provision is released over this place people and region to God be the glory and praise forevermore. Amen. I believe that, don't you? Just before you sit down, I want to do one more thing before we step into the rest of the service. Let me grab my my notes over here. 
part of our 40 days, we've been nurturing our spirits because we realize God is spirit. God has designed a spirit, soul, and body. And just like we nourish our souls, nourish our bodies on a daily basis, God wants to nourish our spirits. He said something like this, I wish that you were strong in your inward man. And so what God's designed us to be is big-spirited people, so hence we live out of our spirits, not our souls or what our body craves. And so most of us, especially in the Western culture, we're out of alignment. Our bodies are in control or our souls are dominant and our spirit's the quiet one. But as we nurture our spirit during these 40 days, our spirit gets louder than our soul. And so what happens is instead of being drugged around by your soul or emotions or desires, what happens is we begin to be led by the spirit. That's why it says those who are the sons and daughters of God, they are led by the spirit of God. And the spirit leads you by your spirit. And so this is where you hear God. This is where you feel God. This is where God speaks is in our spirit man, that still quiet voice in our inward man. So if you wouldn't mind, just put your hand on your body right there representing your spirit. I want to bless your spirit with God's word today. I cordially invite your spirit to stand at attention today and come to the forefront. Find its way past the chaos and confusion in the world and voices around. And let your spirit now stand at the forefront to connect to Holy Spirit. And I cordially invite your soul to slip in behind your spirit and your body behind your soul. And now to be aligned, spirit, soul, and body. And now through your spirit connecting to the Holy Spirit, divine life begins to flow from the Spirit of God through your spirit into your soul as God is restoring your soul, as the Good Shepherd does, and literally into your physical body where it says the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead can quicken your mortal bodies. So in this moment, as a flow of spirit comes, your soul can be energized and your body actually even healed because of the energy of Holy Spirit moving in and through us right now in this moment. So I bless you, Spirit, as a citizen in the kingdom of peace. God said in Isaiah 45, I make peace. Spirit, I bless you with knowing that God makes peace regardless of your circumstances. I bless you with understanding the kingship of the Prince of Peace and bowing your knee and submitting to him. I bless you with seeing the kingdom of peace established in your life as the Prince of Peace is your ruler. I bless you with peace that he decrees in your life and around your life. I bless you with being known as someone who carries the peace of God with you wherever you go. I bless you in the name of the Prince of Peace. Amen. Amen. Can we give the Lord one more hand of praise here today? Isn't he great? Before you sit down, if you want to give somebody a virtual high five, if you're not hugging, or you can do whatever you want to do as far as greeting, make each other feel comfortable, and then you may find a seat. Blessings on everyone today. Thank you so much for coming out to be a part of our service. Thank you for our worship team. Can you let the worship team know how much you appreciate them leading us and moving us in this time of worship together? This is how we fight our battles, amen? 
We bless everyone online today as you're participating with prayer and giving and worship along with us. We thank you so much. I have a very important announcement that uh, not next Sunday, but the next Sunday, September 20th, we're going to be hosting an outdoor service celebrating Rosh Hashanah, the head of the year. And so it's going to be down in the field. We're going to set up down here. It's going to be a big outdoor service, hopefully, so a lot of people can get back on campus that's not been able to come because of the COVID pandemic. We'll be outside masked so that, you know, uh, those of you that want to wear masks so you can be social distance as far as you like. You'll bring your own. Uh, we'll have some chairs. We'll bring your own fold-out chairs if you like. We're going to have a big outdoor worship service. We're saying simply it's a new era for breaking curses and moving into the blessings of God. Amen? And so we're going to have a radical time of outdoor praise. Then we're going to have food. We're going to have hamburgers, hot dogs. We're going to have uh, coffee trucks, Kona ice trucks. We're going to have a time of fellowship. All outdoors celebrating a brand new year of Rosh Hashanah slipping into a new era, a new season with the Lord. And so it should be in a very exciting time as we do that. And so put that on your calendar. There will only be one service that day. Uh, begins at 11 o'clock uh, service, and so that's not this next Sunday, but the 20th, 5781 is the year, and we'll be celebrating slipping into a brand new Hebraic year and expecting God to do some wonderful things. Amen? Uh, speaking of celebrating, uh, we just returned from Washington County, Alabama. Uh, we were there Friday night. Some of you may be very familiar, some not familiar. The Lord gave us a mandate and to go to all 67 counties in Alabama. Uh, we started January the 10th with our first county. We had no idea that we would go through this pandemic and all this in the midst of this. What a wild time to start to travel to 67 counties. But by the grace of God, Friday night, Washington County, number 67. We went all 67 counties of Alabama. This is Pastor Keith Williams in Carmen, and uh, they host us there. There's Dr. Darius Williams. Uh, he's from Talladega. He came with his team and Justin and led worship. We had an outdoor service there at an old elementary school that they're refurbishing to become their church. And we had a mighty time in the Lord down there in Washington. There's Bev making decrees and uh, myself, and we had a great prayer time. Uh, that's... Uh, Lisa Finch, she's one of our native first peoples of the Cherokee tribe. She prayed and sang in her Indian tongue, Amazing Grace. It was beautiful. Praying over our nation. Daniel Hughes praying. That, you see the soil. We've uh, dug soil from every county, prayed over it, asked God to redeem it, bless it, remove the curses that had been at work in it. Uh, there's been 64 when we went to the Peace and Justice Museum before we began the, the journey in Montgomery, we realized 64 counties of 67 lynchings where we, where we literally hung black men, black women, and children had occurred in our state. And God spoke as we retraveled to literally take the soil, pray over it, redeem it. So in every county, we've had a black brother and sister, white brother and sister, Native Americans praying over the soil acts of repentance, acts of unity, forgiveness, and now we have 67 mason jars full of new soil that the Lord has redeemed. Come on, somebody. And um, so we had a great time. Now, what was interesting to us is that the, the way the Lord organized this, we didn't do it in any plans. Pause there a minute. This is called St. Stephen's, old St. Stephen's. We didn't, I wasn't aware of the history but literally, Washington County was the first county of the state of Alabama. And so what's interesting, it's the foundation of Alabama. Before Alabama was Alabama, while it was a territory, this 
Washington County was the first territorial capital that not only flew the state flag, but the federal flag. And so we, that's the, where we are at St. Stephen's is where the foundational ruins of the original city uh, are there. Move on, please. And I'll show you. That's Bev and I. That's the actual original gate to the city of St. Stephen's there in Washington County. And so we were able to walk that uh, holy ground, if you will, where the state of Alabama actually began. And we decreed over there that the foundations of Alabama would be righteousness and justice and equality. And it would begin to move up out of the state of Alabama, even into the nation of America. And so can we just give God praise for completion of all in Alabama? Thank God for uh, Matt Hobson and all of our fire teams that kept pushing through and making the journey happen. We've had a great team of men and women that have traversed the county, first, uh, county by county. Thank you so much for fulfilling this mandate mission. Uh, September 17th, we'll be flying to Dallas, Texas to present uh, a book of record that we have recorded every county that's been, 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 that we've been to, prayed over. We've prayed for all city officials in each county at the city gates, had meetings in the uh, churches, preached the message of Ecclesia, and uh, we're going to be presenting the state of Alabama on a national level at the head of the year conference, and we believe the Holy Spirit's given us a mandate to come back, and we'll have 40 days, October 1st through November 11th, 40 days and nights of prayer and worship in Montgomery under a tent called David's Tent. And so we'd love for you to participate if you can during that. It's going to be an amazing time for 40 days and for 24 hours a day. There'll be worship and prayer at the Capitol in a tent uh, going up as an offering to the Lord uh, as we step into this new era, new season. Then November 11th, we'll be hosting the Transform Our World Conference uh, right here on campus. And so we believe God is moving the church leading us into a season of great transformation. That not only our lives will be transformed, but we will see literally cities, counties, states, and nations transformed in this era that we're stepping into. Matthew 28, God said, I will baptize nations. And so it's not just about our personal salvation, it's about nations being changed and transformed. I believe the nation of America right now is being held in the balance and that we really need to pray through all this chaos and confusion and division and trust this fact, God is in control. Don't buy into the fear-based, if this happened, if that happened. I'm telling you, the last time I checked, God's sovereign and he's in control. He puts up one, he takes down another, and he has a hook in the jaws of the nations. And so we're just in agreement to say, God, whatever your will is. Here's the way to pray for the nation. God, whatever your will is, let that be done in the nation of America and the world. Amen? And so we're, we're, we're excited about the season that we're in. I'm going to talk to you for just a few short moments that we have left today about what I believe the Holy Spirit's saying in this season to the church. And what I believe Holy Spirit is revealing in these 40 days of Teshuvah as we're returning to the Lord of what the church actually is to look like in this season. How many of you would, would tend to at least believe this, that this is probably one of the most interesting years that we have ever experienced? Not just in our lifetime, I would say probably in the history of America I, in the history of the world, this was the first Passover since the Passover that everybody was locked in their house, just like in Egypt. 
So globally, God has everybody in their homes. I, I heard this recently and I loved it. It says the enemy thought he was going to shut down the church and he actually opened one in every house. And I believe that. I'm not, I don't say that the Lord caused COVID, but I, I, I believe he wins with any hand dealt. And I believe he's used this to reinforce the fabric of family and home and what that's supposed to look like and to shift and change the concept of church. Because let's just, those of you that understand scripture and understand church, we have to believe and agree that when we read the book of Acts and the church in the book of Acts and compare it to the church that we exist and live in, there's a vast difference. So it has to, we have to come to a conclusion that something's not working right if the original intent for the church was to have such influence in society and such transformational influence in culture, then something's needing to shift or change. And so we're just kind of holding things loosely, saying, Lord, you know, we just want to do church the way you want to do church. What does that mean? What does that look like in this new era? See, here's something that'll help you, I believe, and it helped me. People say God never changes. That's not true. So, so we need to get a hold of that. His character never changes. But the way he does things are always changing. If not, you should have had a turtle dove brought with you this morning. <laughs> and a lamb. Because that's, the way we, that's what we would have offered. So God obviously changes methods. But his nature and character doesn't change. And so I think what we've got to be okay with is Change. So look at your neighbor and just say, you just got to be okay with change. Tell him, you just got to be okay. Touch your other neighbor and say, pardon me, could you use some change? Now, I think we also should be honest with each other. If there is not more to church than what we've experienced, then the future's not that bright. I mean, I like church. I like coming here. But if there's not more to it than just coming here. Because everybody I'm talking to saying like, Ken, I love worship, I love church, I love preaching. But if there's not more to it, if there's no bigger purpose than just coming and doing this, then our future's not that bright. Because most people I know are, even the most faithful people that were alive only get here twice a month. During COVID, we've got 70% of our people that hadn't big back since COVID. What does that say to me? That says to me, we got a strong church. Amen. Why, you don't have to be here. You don't have to be here to be the church. Now, I love you being here. And I love being here, but, but this is not the main thing. It's important, but it's not the main thing. In actuality, if you'll just think with me open-mindedly a minute what church actually is, I've studied the scripture again and, and asked God, God, show me what church is. What does it mean to be a part of church as we know it? 
Well, the first time I find church mentioned or the house of God's Genesis 28 where Jacob fell asleep, had a dream, said heaven was open and angels were ascending and descending on a ladder. And he said, God is in this place and what an awesome place it is. And I wasn't even aware of it. And he said, this is none other than the house of God. And he said, God, if you will keep me in the way and then you'll lead me and guide me, I will give you 10% of everything that ever comes my way. And this is where the whole concept of tithing and giving and open heavens were established. And so to me, the very foundational thought of church is it should be an open heaven where you and I can experience God together. But wouldn't you agree that this physical location isn't the only place? Your house is supposed to be an open heaven. Your home is an open heaven. Your business, your practice is an open heaven. So if the church is true to the church, wherever we are should be an open heaven. Amen? Amen. Then the second, I look at Matthew 16 where it says, Jesus said these words to Peter. He said, who do people say that I am? Some say you're Elijah, some say you're Jeremiah, some say you're a prophet. Peter, who do you say that I say you're Christ, the son of the living God? Jesus says, flesh and blood didn't show that to you. But the father who is in heaven actually revealed that to you. And on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Well, that rock's not Peter. That rock is what Peter experienced, a revelation God said, I'll build a church of people who have a revelation of who Jesus actually is. Because once you get a revelation, it transforms your life in the way you think and live and do life together. So it's not a group of people that are convinced that this is a good idea. It's a group of people who have a revelation of who Jesus is. That's what I love about our church. Our church, fortunately, is full of people who have a revelation. That's why we have people that are continuing to give and, and, and minister to the Lord in giving all through this season, and they hadn't even been here. Why? They don't need a message in a, in a plate pass, a, a plate pass to give. They got a revelation. They know who their source is. They realize what keeps heaven open over their life. And so what's exciting to me is to see we probably are stronger than we thought. Now we just kind of need to educate ourselves to where we're at and what we actually already have as a church because this is how God is moving and shifting and changing in our, in our atmosphere. And so Ephesians 4, the last place about the church, it says something like this. It says the church has been given gifts by God. And these gifts are apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, and evangelists. And their mission is to equip saints to do their ministry. The mission of the church, the whole reason the church exists is to empower people to do ministry. But don't you think we've gotten it kind of backwards? Because I'm, I look at that then, the church should be like a university. That basically you should be here intensely for a season to get educated, equipped, and empowered. But then you should be sent to go into society and live what you've learned. I mean, wouldn't it look ridiculous at Jack State if all the alumni showed up every Sunday? Like, what are y'all doing back? 
and all the professors are there doing the ministry. It's the opposite. But think about most churches come every Sunday and watch the leadership do ministry. Good job, Kent. Right? Good job, worship team. But then go out and don't engage in their ministry. And so that, I believe, is changing in this season. Let's just be honest. I mean, I mean I, I'm, I'm up for meeting every day. But in reality, we probably could get by meeting once a month. I'm not looking for less work. I'm just saying, the way we've traditionally done church is I've got to come up with something new to say this week. And in reality, we're not doing what I said last week. So wouldn't it be better off if we just figure out what we're supposed to do and try to practically put that in place and then maybe come back in a month and get us a new instruction? I'm just talking about practically. I'm not saying that's what we're going to do. I'm just, I'm just, I'm, here's what I've said. God, we just want to do whatever you want to do, however you want to do it. That's all we want to do in this season. If you want to do church differently, we want to do church differently. We just want to be the church that Jesus is building. And he said, I'll build a church and the gates of hell will not prevail against the church I'm building. That's the church I want to be a part of. So what is that supposed to look like? How are we supposed to fellowship, worship, gather? These are things we're asking God in this season. But I'm convinced that what I'm telling you from the word of God right now about what church scripture is supposed to look like is that you are empowered as God's agents of transformation. And that the church is not a once a week gathering. Actually, it's a 24-7 mobile Ark of the Covenant that wherever you go, God goes. When you come here, God comes with you. When you go, God goes with you. This is what we've got to begin to shape our paradigm around is that the Bible says wherever two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst of them. And so you don't have to wait here for Sunday to get a hold of God. You can gather your wife and your children around your kitchen table and you can join hands and call on the name of Jesus and you can see Jesus begin to do unusual miracles right in the midst of your home. You can get out and prayer walk your neighborhood and begin to shift the spiritual climate over your neighborhood and see the kingdom of God begin to manifest there. This is the age of the kingdom that we're stepping into, this new era that, that I believe Holy Spirit is shifting and changing our minds, our mindsets, if you will, to be who God has called us to be. You know, the first church in the Bible was a man and woman in the garden. It was a home. And that's why I think it's so important. Last week, I encouraged everybody, open the door and let Jesus come into your house. Hopefully, many of you did that. Like, like you literally opened the door and ask Jesus to come into your house afresh. Because we said Revelations 3, Jesus is knocking at the door saying, I want to come in. So Bev and I, we stood at our home. We opened the door. We invited the Lord Jesus Christ to come into our home. And then we said, anything that's not of the Lord Jesus, we ask you to leave. Any negativity, any demonic issues, any demonic entities. And we were driving home yesterday from Washington. We were kind of praying as we were riding. And Bell said, I just saw a vision of our home that when we get home, we've got to do something extra. I said, why? She said, I saw when we invited the Lord Jesus in, 
to the foyer of our house where we were standing, she said, now I see some demonic entities that had tried to squeeze themselves into our home. They're actually chained up together in our foyer and just as bad as they were wanting in because Jesus got in, now they're actually wanting out. Huh? Now, I don't know about you, but every time I read the Bible, when Jesus got in a place and met a demon, somebody screamed and it was never Jesus. It was demons wanting to leave. And so Bev and I this afternoon, last week we invited Jesus in. Next, today we get home, we're gonna open the door and just let them out because they're wanting out because Jesus is that. Come on, somebody. We'll open the door, we'll just let them ease on out and we'll be done with that season in our own home. And so we're shifting and changing the spiritual climate and atmospheres of our homes, our neighborhoods, our cities, our states, and I believe, yes, even our nation. And so I want to begin to hopefully do a better job for you as instructing you and empowering you to be the church because a lot of us have got stuck in a mentality that church is the place all the ministry happens. And so, unfortunately, what's happened over time is uh, because we do love to see people come to know Jesus and come to the Lord, it's difficult to try to share milk and meat at the same time. People say a lot of things to me and about me, which is fine. But somebody recently said, Ken, I'm just concerned, you know, you hadn't given an altar call lately. I said, When's the last time you gave an altar call? They said, what do you mean? I said, because shepherd don't beget sheep. Sheep beget sheep. It's not quite enough applause, but we'll get there in a minute. I know you're catching me. I know. It's taking a minute. That's a, like a golf clap, but we'll start there. For a shepherd to beget sheep, that's perverted. Sheep beget sheep. Shepherd care for sheep. So what's happened in most churches, we, we who are maturing in God have to sit under the teaching of the milk and don't get to mature because we do have a heart to reach people with milk. And so we're preaching over the heads of most believers to get to the handful of people because we want them to be able to know Jesus and neglect the fact that we've got so many people wanting to mature in God that we don't feed them the meat because we want to get with the milk. But here's the job. Our job as mature believers is to sit under the meat of the word. Then we've got plenty of milk to go feed any of the new believers that are coming in because you and I will be leading them to who the great shepherd is, if that makes any sense whatsoever. So, so we're trying to get better understanding of, of how to function and move. And I'm not saying we know what we're doing, we're, but we're open to follow the Lord, which I think is the most important because it says as long as they sought the Lord, God made them purpose. God made them prosper. So look at your neighbor and say, things are about to get really exciting. I mean, you don't really sound like it, but if you could tell somebody else with a, just a little more enthusiasm, like things are about to get a little more exciting, tell them. So I want to just give you some clear instruction today that how you can go home, your home, your business, your school, your job, whatever you want to shift the spiritual atmosphere, I'll give you a clear instruction from God's word of how to shift the spiritual atmosphere and see the kingdom of God move in your sphere of influence. It's found in uh, these, these words. The problem is, we'll go to the first slide, 
Now I'll move quickly through this. Here's the problem. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so they cannot see the light of the glory of the gospel of Christ. So it's not that people don't want Jesus. It's not that they don't want the kingdom of God. It's just they can't see it. Because the God of this world has blinded them so that they can't see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ. The solution, I'm sending you. Here we go. I'm sending you. I'm sending you. So look at somebody, tell them he's sending you. Tell somebody say he's sending you. So you are the solution to the problem. You are the light of the world. Listen to me. You are the light of the world, a city set on a hill. You, me, we are the light of the world. I'm sending you to them to open their eyes so that they can turn from darkness to light and from the dominion of Satan to God. And so when we step into society as the light, here's what we don't understand. You've got more power than darkness. But we think somehow darkness has more power and we gotta somehow step out into the culture of darkness and pray against it. When I go home today and I'll go down on our first floor of our house to use the restroom or whatever I'm gonna do down there, it'll be dark. I won't sit there and pray against it. Oh God. Let this darkness, you foul darkness, you got to go. I'll simply do one thing, turn on the light. And as soon as I turn on the light, darkness is dissipated. It's gone because darkness has no power over light. Anytime light steps in, darkness has to flee. And so when you realize you are the light, and anytime you step into darkness, you don't combat darkness. Darkness simply has to go. So we are the solution to the problem because as soon as we turn the light on, their eyes now they can see. So we go from Luke chapter 9 where it looked like it was the lowest point of Jesus' ministry. Jesus had given his disciples, that's you and me, power to deal with demons and heal the sick and preach the kingdom and sent them to do that, and yet on verse 41, they came across the issue where they could not deal with a demon. The demon was more powerful than the disciples. Jesus said, you unbelieving and perverted generation, how long shall I be with you and put up with you? That's a pretty powerful rebuke from the Lord. You perverted, perverse generation, I've given you all the authority and all the power to do whatever you need. You are the light of the world yet you can't even deal with this one demonic entity. How long shall I be with you and how long shall I put up with you? But what's interesting and what I want to show you today, something changed that. Because in Luke 10, 21, we see Jesus at the height of fulfillment. At that time, Jesus, full of joy, through the Holy Spirit said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because what was happening in heaven is now happening in the earth. In other words, what gave Jesus great joy was when the will of heaven was being done in earth. 
And so when his disciples began to do the will of heaven in the earth, it brought great joy to the Lord and brought him to the height of his expectation of what you and I are supposed to do. You and I are supposed to bring heaven to earth, not go to heaven. Most people just expecting to go to heaven. And we've preached a gospel where that basically our church is a refrigerator ship. And we're trying to get all the fish to get saved and get in our refrigerated ship and keep them saved and fresh, unspoiled, until the great big ship comes back one day, gets all of our ship with all the other little ships into the great ship and takes us to the big aquarium in the sky where we'll all swim with Jesus. If that's the only goal of the church, then at baptism, we should just hold everybody under. And let them go on to the great aquarium in the sky. Because if that's the only reason we're alive and functioning down here is to make it to the big aquarium, we just send you straight there at baptism. Just put you under and let you stay under till you go to be with him and swim forever with Jesus. But how ludicrous is that thinking, yet most of us live that way. Thinking, well, just one day we're going to go to heaven and it's all going to work. No, we are mandated by heaven to be the light of the world and be transformational agents through the power of Holy Spirit and that we are here on earth to cause the will of heaven to come and fulfill its mission on the earth. That's what Jesus is calling you and I to do and to flow in it and to function in it. But I'm like you, it's awkward, especially evangelism. I don't know about you, but it, I just find it very awkward the way I was trained. Like, if you die tonight, do you know where you'd go? Well, I've done that a lot, like on airplanes. You know, because you're close to somebody, and you know how frightening it is to your neighbor when you look over at them and say, if you died today, do you know where you'd go? They're like, first of all, I didn't know we were going to die today, so do you know something I don't about this plane or what's going on, then they kind of look like you, you know, like you're possibly a terrorist. You've got a bomb because you know we're about to do, you know, and it's like, so how awkward. If you died tonight, do you die today? Do you know? I mean, what an opening question, but we've been trained, most of us, that, you know, well, you're a sinner and, you know, it's like God's got a plan for your life. God loves you. But if you don't accept him, You're like, wait a minute, I thought you said God loved me, God has a plan for me, but if you don't accept me, if you die tonight, do you know where you'd go? Yes, in a casket, or burnt, or... I understand heaven, but I'm saying none of us have been there, so we don't know what it's like. So I don't really know where I'd go. But so there again, how ludicrous is that way of evangelism? God is not the God of the dead. He's the God of the living. I'm sure when we die, it's going to be awesome. But it's not about when we die. It's, right, it's about right now. It's about the kingdom coming now. So Jesus taught an evangelism that we've never embraced for some reason as a church, and I'm about to unveil it to you. I've said it a few weeks back, but I think it's one of the most important things I could teach you today is we see Jesus sending 70 people out with this mandate, and here's what happened. When they went out doing what I'm about to teach you to do, it says they came back with joy, rejoicing, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And then Jesus went on to say, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. 
And so when they really engaged in true prayer evangelism, something shifted in the heavens and demons became subject to the believers and it happened through a process that Jesus taught them. Here's what he said. He said, I'm gonna send you out and I'm gonna send you two by two. All right, here's what we gotta understand in this season. Twos and threes are more important than hundreds. I like the way my buddy says it. A four of a kind beats a full house. You get four people really committed to a cause, really sold out on a purpose. That beats a full house every time. So this is where we got to think. Two or threes are better in this season because of what God's doing, because God is focused more outside the four walls than in the four walls. We had a season where I'm sure that God's purpose needed us in the four walls, but now it's time to be moved out of the four walls into the dough of society, to leaven the dough of society with the kingdom of God. And so he said, here's what I want you to do. Four things, it's in the book of Luke. Number one, whenever you meet somebody, I want you to bless them. I want you to bless them. Whenever you enter a house, just say, peace be to you. Peace be to this house. Did you realize the power of of your word to bless nullifies any curse working in somebody's life. Just the power out of your mouth to say, I bless you and release peace to you, has the power to break any curse, any blindness that the enemy has put on somebody's life so that they can't see the glory of the gospel of Christ. Just peace. See, we think, we had not understand peace. We thought peace was for us to go to bed with. Like, Lord, give me peace tonight. Well, that should be automatic. My Bible says peace or shoes. Shoes of peace. So I don't put my shoes on to go to bed. I put my shoes up in the morning when I go out. I got shoes of peace. Peace is not something to keep me safe. Actually, Jesus didn't die to keep you safe. He died to make you dangerous. M- me with peace, I'm dangerous. Because now I can step into any chaos and anything happening in my sphere of influence and I carry the peace of God with me and as soon as I step in there peace begins to rule and reign according to Romans 16 20 the God of all peace will crush Satan under our feet come on somebody now it says when I bless you with peace it's so powerful that if you receive it I will feel it leave and it will stay with you If it doesn't, I will feel it come back to me if you reject it. Now, here's what set me free. Everybody's not my assignment. That doesn't mean they're bad. That doesn't mean they're rejected by God. It's just they're not my assignment. Everybody wasn't Jesus' assignment when he walked the earth. He didn't heal everybody. He didn't bless everybody, just those he was assigned to. You're assigned to some that I'm not assigned to. And vice versa. So when I send peace to somebody, they don't receive it. I'm not feeling rejected by that. They're not rejected by that. That's just not my assignment. So I take back my peace, dust my feet, and I move on to my next one. And then the next thing you know, I release peace. Boom, they grab it. That's my assignment. So it says, number one, just go around blessing and releasing peace. 
That's what's happening during this 40 days that we're doing acts of kindness. We're hearing testimonies every day from people in restaurants and Walmart and out in the public, at work, at school. They're blessing people with their mouth and they're meeting felt needs and spiritual atmospheres are changing. Second thing you do, it says once you release peace, whatever they, whatever they want you to eat, eat with them. Fellowship with them. See, here's what's happened to most of us. We try to get people to accept a Jesus that they don't even know. Would you like to accept Jesus? Well, I don't really know him. That'd be like me saying, would you like to accept Dr. Caballero? Well, I, I maybe. Who is he? What's he like? What's he got to offer? What will he do in my life? Until I know that, how can I accept him or reject him? And I don't know anybody that's ever met Jesus that rejected him. They just rejected the Jesus that was presented. But anybody I know that truly has met Jesus, they've never rejected him. How are you going to reject him once you meet him? He's awesome. So fellowshipping is important because now we get to know each other. We have a coffee. We have a meal. And what happens? Every time... Needs start popping up. I'm suffering in my marriage. I'm suffering at work. I'm suffering. And then God's given you power of the Holy Spirit to meet that need, whether it's practical or spiritual. You pray and God meets the need. Now, if you're like me, you say, What if I pray and it doesn't work? That's not my responsibility. My responsibility is to pray the prayer. God's responsibility is He's going to answer. I don't know about you, but here's what I think is exciting. If you came up to me and the only person that could answer my need was President Trump and you had his phone number and you gave it to me, I wouldn't even need the promise that he would answer. I just appreciate the ability to call. Come on. So when I'm connecting to people, I'm not guaranteed God's going to fix your problem, but I guarantee I can tell you how to get a hold of him. And that's enough to get a hold of God and see what he wants to do. Come on, somebody. So speak peace, fellowship, meet needs, then finally proclaim the kingdom of God has come unto you. This is after a while, maybe a year of relationship. We're out there now, right? So it's okay for just to go on out. Have you ever heard this? He who winneth souls is wise. You ever heard that? Wave at me if you've heard it. He that winneth souls is wise. That's in Proverbs. What does that have to do with conversion? He that winneth souls is wise. My job's not to convert people to Christ. My job's to win their soul. What does that mean? their soul begins to be nurtured and opened up because I've manifested the goodness of God. And in that process of me manifesting the goodness of God in their life, their soul begins to heal and begins to get well. And in the process, they realize that it's actually Jesus that's doing it for them. And so dream with me a minute. Could it be that Church is more about we come here, we celebrate, we worship. I love that. We hear the word of God. We get, we get empowered. And then we go out here and live this life. 
tomorrow morning when you put your feet, your shoes on, you say, I got peace. And you walk out of your house with peace, knowing you got an assignment. And you walk out of your house with peace, looking for your assignment. Next thing you know, you walk up and say, bless you. Peace be unto you. And they're like, well, that's awkward in the day we live in for somebody just to say, peace be unto you, thou child of the most high. No. <laughs> peace be unto you. Be blessed. Or Alabama, be blessed, girl. Be blessed. Just be blessed. How are you doing today? Be blessed, man. And they're like, you feel it. They received my blessing. That's my assignment. Everything going your way? Yep, good. Da, 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 da. You ever like to have a coffee sometime or something? Sure. Da, da, da. Next note, two or three days later, we're having a coffee. Da, da, da. Suffering with this. Boom, boom, boom. Meet the need. Say a prayer. God answers. Next thing you know is who are you? What is happening in my life? The kingdom of God is coming to you. Are you serious? Yes. What is that about? It's Jesus. No, really. Boom, boom, boom. Next thing you know, he's getting baptized. And now Sundays or whenever we gather, the next week or the next month or whatever that is, we're not here to try to get people saved. You're bringing people with you that got saved. You're bringing people here that got healed, that got delivered under your ministry. And so now instead of the church being a once a week move, we are the move. So it's a mobile Ark of the Covenant 24-7. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, the Spirit of God and the presence of God is moving throughout our territory. People being changed and atmospheres being shifted over homes, businesses, schools, workplace. You've got the power to change the atmosphere over your whole company, whether you're the employee or employer. Teenagers, you don't have to wait till you're 40 to do this. At 12 years old, you can step into your school full of the power of the Holy Spirit that your parents have prayed into you sitting around their kitchen table. And because you know Jesus is real, not because your youth pastor told you, because you saw your mom and dad crying before the Lord and you saw God move and you saw God answer and they've nurtured your spirit just like they've nurtured your body and your soul and they've built you into a big spirited kid and now you're able to walk in the midst of darkness with the shoes of peace on and profoundly decree Jesus is the Lamb of God slain from the foundation in the world and change the whole atmosphere of a school or a football team or a baseball team because of who you are. This is the church Jesus is building that the gates of hell won't prevail against it. So now we're having people testify. This week I was with two of the elders of our church. They said, Kent, we hadn't been to church since COVID because of my profession and my husband's health issues. We've been literally working home. So we got to thinking, well, if we're at home, we don't want to get a COVID belly. Y'all know what that is? You got COVID hair, COVID belly, can't get a haircut, and you're growing in the inward man. <laughs> so we've been walking our neighborhood an hour every afternoon. That's just what, so if we can't go to church, we're just going to walk our neighborhood. They said it took us about two weeks walking. Didn't see one neighbor walking. Lord, we bless this neighbor. The ones they knew by name, they called them by name. The ones they didn't, they just said, bless that house. Bless those people. 
They said after about two weeks, it got wild. They said, literally, we saw people that we have never seen. When we walked by, they came out of their house going, hey, what are y'all doing? They said, well, we're walking. They said, for exercise? Well, yes, but also we're praying over our neighborhood. They said, are you serious? Would you pray for us? Gave them the needs that they had. Prayed the prayer of faith with them. They said there was one neighbor that they'd taken cookies and everything, all the holidays, never been acknowledged by them. Next thing you know, when they were walking, they were waiting on them by the mailbox. We heard from the neighbor across the street that y'all were praying for people. Would you pray for us? See, what we don't realize is people are hungry for this stuff. They've just never been presented in a way that's acceptably presentable. We've prayed all over 67 counties. We've not been rejected by one city official. These are city officials, probate judges, heads of cities. Not one of them said they didn't want prayer. They all want prayer. They all know they need God. It's just nobody's ever been bold enough to get out of the four walls of the church and go to the city municipality and say, you need prayer. I had an old sheriff down in Washington County. He was an old gruff guy after we prayed. He said, whatever he says, that's what we're doing. Anybody that come down here and pray for us, we're for it. Come on. The righteous are bold like a lion. And people aren't going to reject you when you present it in a, that way with a heart. Here's what I love Ed Savoso. He says, before you talk to people about God, talk to God about them. In neighborhoods... My friends over here told me that people are actually found out they are praying and now they're actually coming knocking on their door in their neighborhood for prayer. So dream with me a minute. What could a thousand of us that weren't alive do if we really believed what the church was? That it's not just a place we gather and worship and hear the word of God, but it's actually we go and live this life. And we become agents of the the kingdom in the, the Lord's hands, and he builds a church that the gates of hell cannot prevail against it. And we start shifting the spiritual, I'm sorry, I've walked right in front. We start shifting the spiritual atmosphere over our homes, our neighborhoods, our counties, our cities, our state, and yes, even the United States of America. We joined forces yesterday, Bev and I, with 40,000 people on Facebook call live yesterday believing for a million homes in America to become ecclesias, to be the places where two or three are gathered and begin to open heaven over the United States of America so that the whole nation begins to move in its prophetic purpose and its prophetic destiny. This is the time, this is the season. God is looking for sons and daughters. The whole earth is groaning, waiting for the manifestation of the sons and the daughters of God to begin to rise up and stand up and do the works of Jesus and fulfill the mandated purpose on the kingdom of God. We're shifting from a church age to a kingdom age. In this, in this age, it won't be who goes to your church. That won't be the question. It'll be where does your church go? It won't be our seeding capacity. It will be our sending capacity. And I'm not saying this mean, but after three or four years, we don't even care if we see you anymore. We, we believe that we've done our job and you're out doing the kingdom work. And now like an alumni, 
stroke us a check every now and then because we got work to do and come back and visit the troops. You know, that's awesome. But, but I mean, don't, you know, the alumni, they make sure this university keeps functioning, but they're not back every week trying to learn chemistry again. They're using chemistry to do the work that God's, come on somebody. But the church should stay full because you're begetting so many sheep, the university just keeps filling up with sheep that are learning to become sons and daughters of God because you're out there birthing them every day. That's why it says in two years, the whole of Asia heard the word of God in the early church without Facebook, without airplanes, without printing press, without a Bible. In two years, the whole of Asia heard the word of God and was transformed. This is where we're at. This is what we're moving into. We need you to jump on board and start praying with us about it. Today, go home, open up your door, invite Jesus in. Tomorrow, put your shoes of peace on. Step out into your community and become an agent of transformation. Let your light so shine before men that they glorify your Father in heaven. And let the church be the church. And let the ecclesia arise that the gates of hell will not prevail against it in Jesus' name. Amen? Come on, stand up with me. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Y'all ever heard that old song my black brothers and sisters sing? Let the church say amen. Let the church say amen. God has spoken. Let the church say amen. It's it's easy. Sing it with me. Let the church say amen. Let the church say amen. God has spoken. Let the church say amen. One more time. Let the church say amen. Let the church say amen. God has spoken. Let the church say amen. Can you say amen to the word of God today? Amen. Father, in the name of Jesus, I commission your sons and daughters, those that have been bought and paid for by the blood of the covenant, At one time, we were foreigners outside the covenant promises of God, but we have been brought nigh by the blood of the Lamb. Lord, I call their spirits to attention. Lord, I pray that you would give them a personal revelation of who they are, of their gifts, their callings, what you're calling them to do, how you're calling them to function. Help each person find their place in the company of the Lord. Just like Israel with many tribes, but one purpose. There's many tribes in in your kingdom. There's many forms and variousnesses of gifts and callings, but one purpose and one calling. So Lord, I just call for the gifts and the anointings and the destinies and purpose of your people to come alive now. Lord, I call the young ones 
Lord, even the young ones that are in school, I call them to walk in their purpose. Lord, we call the old ones that feel like maybe their ministry's over. But you said in Joel, the old men will dream dreams. The young men will have visions. Our sons and our daughters and our handmaidens would prophesy. Lord, we pray that each person will begin to find their place in their kingdom mandate and kingdom mission. Let the gifts of Holy Spirit begin to bubble up inside your believers. Let dreams and visions visions begin to be downloaded to us in the night season begin to give us instructions of how to run our businesses how to run our homes how to how to how to manage our careers how to use the sphere of our influences to step into kingdom minded thinking lord use us as agents of transformation and change lord build your church so that the gates of hell do not prevail against it Lord, I commission your people today, those watching online, those here on campus, receive today an anointing that allows you to have an open heaven over your your life so that the Holy Spirit can speak to you personally in the following few days about your calling, your destiny, your anointing, and your function in the body of Christ. We bless you today. We equip you today, we empower you today, and we say, Lord, we thank you that you are building a spiritual house called the Ecclesia that functions 24-7 in the marketplace, opening the eyes of the blind so that they can see the light of the glory of the gospel, turning them from the power of Satan to the power of God and the power of darkness to the power of the light. Lord, let it be so. We release it today in Jesus' name. And everybody in agreement said amen. This has been a presentation of Word Alive International Outreach, 122 Allendale Road, Oxford, Alabama. Reach us by phone at 256-831-5280 or at our website, wordalive.org. This has been a production of Word Alive Creative Arts.